Welcome to the Need to Know podcast from the Wilson Center, a podcast for policymakers available to everyone. Always informative, nonpartisan, and relevant, we go beyond the headlines to understand the trend lines in foreign policy. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Wilson Center's Need to Know podcast. I'm your host, John Molesky. Today, we're going to be talking about the U.S.'s involvement in the global effort to wipe out malaria. Despite advances in medicine and efforts to stop the spread of the mosquito-borne disease, roughly half a million people still die from it each year. More than 90% of malaria-related deaths occur in sub-Saharan Africa. And tragically, the majority of those affected are children under the age of five. In fact, the mosquito continues to be the deadliest creature on the planet because of its role in the spread of malaria, and it's not even close. To talk about ongoing efforts, the role of the United States, and the work yet to be done is a man who has been involved in the fight in multiple roles as a member of Congress, as U.S. Ambassador to Tanzania, and as Administrator of USAID. He is currently the Director, President, and CEO of the Wilson Center. Welcome to the program, Mark Green. Ambassador Green, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you. John, it's great to be with you as always. So, You've been in the fight for a while, as I described. Uh, can you describe for us the progress that's been made over the years? Yeah, first, and, and I'll actually step back and I'll, I'll do you one better as you were talking about my involvement. I'm also a malaria survivor. Uh, Sue and I, when we taught school in Western Kenya long, long time ago, both of us had malaria. And, uh, all, you know, most of our students were touched with uh, malaria one way or the other. In terms of the progress, it's actually a remarkable success story. Uh, malaria has been a killer, particularly in Africa, not exclusively, but particularly in Africa for a very long time. When you would go into villages like where I was in western Kenya, you would come across people who would describe themselves as the oldest in their family, and then they would say that they were the third or fourth born, implying, of course, uh, that their what would have been or who would have been their older brothers and sisters were were killed by malaria, a, a truly crippling disease that touched families and communities, economies, uh, continents. Uh, President Bush launched uh, the President's Malaria Initiative early on in his presidency, and it really was an effort to focus resources, technology, and our work. Uh, on a small set of countries in Africa to see what the impact would be. Remarkable progress made, malaria deaths cut in half in those countries, truly a great progress. PMI, as we called it, the President's Malaria Initiative, expanded almost yearly to a, a broader set of countries. And again, the progress uh, w was remarkable. It's one of the best investments we ever made. Um, but it's also um, faced a number of challenges, especially recently. COVID-19, as it was in so many ways, was a body blow for some of the malaria work. We saw setbacks in the progress. And during that time, combined with climate extremes, changing climate and unpredictable weather patterns, we've seen malaria take hold in some areas because of longer rainy seasons. And that's been a bit of a setback. The good news is we have the tools, the technology, the understanding to actually get in front of this and to restore that progress and see steady progress. It, the question is willingness. So we've made remarkable progress, but this is really a moment to double down in those investments 
so that we can, uh, you know, uh, provide new hope for communities that have been hit so hard. So you, you describe a situation where we, we now know what works and we've seen it in the field and it does work. So in, a, in addition to investment, are there specific things that still need to be done? Are there gaps in U.S. policy that, if closed, could create an even better outcome? You know, it's interesting. I was reading an article uh, featuring an interview with the late Paul Farmer, renowned for his work on global health. And he said that in Haiti and other countries struck by malaria, he said that uh, a lot of Haitians referred to people who died from malaria as stupid deaths, stupid in the sense that uh, unnecessary. We know what to do. It's largely preventable. It's sleeping under a bed net. It's having indoor residual spraying. It's tackling sitting pools of water. We know exactly what to do. It's a matter of applying the resources to it. In terms of gaps in policy, what I would say is uh, Presence Malaria Initiative and the resources that have been provided on a bipartisan basis towards that have made huge progress. Investments in the Global Fund to fight AIDS, tuberculosis, and malaria. The U.S. is also a leader there. That's been great. The gaps in policy really lie with what's ahead. Uh, PEPFAR, the PEPFAR program, best known for its work on HIV-AIDS, but it, it also is a huge uh, funder for the malaria work. It's crucial that that get reauthorized. Why? Because we're asking leaders, health leaders in other countries, the community level, the national level, to undertake reforms, to undertake their own investments, and to do so because they can count on the U.S. involvement and the resources to help them get to where they need to go. And so that hesitancy about whether or not uh, PEPFAR will be uh, reauthorized, that could be a terrible gap and a real setback in building momentum and restoring uh, some of the investments and tools that those leaders need. So that's what I would point to. I want to, I should say, for the, those listeners and viewers who don't swim in the same alphabet soup as do we, that PEPFAR stands for President's Emergency Plan for AIDS Relief, and it's largely associated with AIDS, even if you don't know the uh, actual uh, spelling out of the acronym. And, and you, yeah. You, and, and so Congress has its hands full for all kinds of reasons, not the least of which are two wars. Uh, where does malaria fit? as a priority and as a focal point. And what case would you make that, even though we have these other pressing issues, this is really important? Well, I, I think the case is a relatively easy one to make, an uncomplicated one. Uh, first off, let me give you the human and health reason for it. Uh, it's hard for countries in Africa to rise if malaria comes back. And the reason why it's malaria deaths, again, 500 to 600,000 per year, mostly African and mostly young children and pregnant women, uh, obvious humanitarian uh, purpose there. But also those who are struck by malaria who survive the lost work days, the diminished capacity, the real uh, cost and burden upon those communities means that you don't see the economic growth that we all believe is necessary for Africa to be able to take its place at the, at the table of the world stage and make a difference. So those of us who believe in private enterprise and economic growth, malaria investments really help uh, in that front. So that's one case that I would make. But also on that, that human level, 
those who survive malaria, again, so many of them being infant children, have uh, you know somewhat of an immunity to the recurrence of that strain of malaria uh, occurring again. If you so you you basically have a generation of young Africans who have had somewhat resistance. If you back off those malaria investments and malaria comes back, you're going to see malaria strike those who don't have uh, much of a resistance to it, and the, and the consequences could be absolutely devastating. So there's a, a very personal uh, humanitarian reason. There's also an economic reason uh, for both fronts. It's crucial that we do this. Let me give you a third reason. It's really a, a, a soft power, smart power reason. You know, there's a lot of talk these days about strategic competition, great power competition. Uh, there's a lot of talk about China, for example, in Africa, and how we compete and how we sort of win uh, hearts and minds. Our investments in AIDS and malaria are the greatest investments that we have made in Africa, and Africans know it. I'm an original co-author of PEPFAR, as you pointed to, best known for HIV AIDS, but it was expanded to include the malaria work. I, if you would have told me when we actually crafted this legislation that that acronym PEPFAR would become a recognized term in Africa, I would have said you're crazy. It is. People in Africa know PEPFAR. They know it, that it is American support. It is how we're branded, and it is a remarkable success story. Backing away from that would be a huge blow to our prestige. It's our principal uh, presence in Africa. Backing away would be a tremendous loss. It would also create doubts in, in, in the, the minds of African leaders as to whether or not they can actually count on the U.S. to fulfill its commitments and live up to the partnership role that it's played. So there are health reasons for it. There are economic reasons for it, and I would argue, very importantly, there are geostrategic reasons for it in terms of the investments that we've made and the leadership that uh, America has provided. Uh, about that, uh, the, the essential role of the U.S. And, and your historic role in this work as well, the, the, often there's a problem and we have ideas about what works, or in this case we know, and sometimes it's simple things like mosquito nets. Uh, but yet right. you talked about political will, you talk about adequate funding. W what about coordination of the, uh, the, the uh, uh, international community, Ambassador Green? Is there enough coherence among the various players, even though the U.S. is playing a leadership role? I assume other countries are engaged, the United Nations is engaged. Do we see a level of coordination that can maximize the things that we know that can prevent this awful disease? You know, there are a lot of topics in which uh, the world doesn't get along, and we have conflicts and, and bickering. This isn't one of them. Actually, the level of coordination has been extraordinarily good, uh, and, and the U.S. plays the leadership role. Private enterprises come to the table with remarkable developments, frugal technology, the use of app technology, mobile phone app technology, so many ways we've actually seen progress and, and, and thus uh, you know, the, the particular uh, risks of backing away and losing that level of coordination. But uh, the U.S. role in this has been absolutely irreplaceable. And so, uh, you know, we, we can't lose that. We need to make sure it continues. Well, 
uh, thank you for today, Ambassador Green, and for your ongoing work on this critical issue. I just want to, cl- you know, I, one thing I learned is, as a generalist who speaks to experts, that you know more about this than we can contain in an interview led by my question. So before we close, I just want to ask you, is there anything else we haven't spoken about that you think it's important to note? Well, I, I think the most important thing to understand is that This is not an intellectual exercise in the sense of the confusion over what it is that we need to do. We know exactly what to do. This is really a question of whether or not uh, we're going to lead, whether or not we're going to make these rather modest investments, and whether or not we're going to be a reliable partner for other countries that are important allies to us. So uh, that's the key to this. We know exactly what to do. And to not follow through would be a a great tragedy. And that will be the final word. Ambassador Mark Green, thank you for today. Thank you. said for your ongoing efforts. That's all for this edition of Need to Know. Please visit WilsonCenter.org for more on this podcast, many others, and for a host of valuable content on a wide range of issues of global importance. We'll return soon with another episode of Need to Know. Until then, for all of us at the Wilson Center, I'm John Molesky. Thank you for your time and interest.